Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste Namaste. This evening on page 175 of the Chandipat, we're going to begin the discussion of chapter 4. And this is really a lot of fun because this is a victory celebration. Uh, actually, we just got rid of the great ego. We cut down the generals in his army. We got clarity. We got understanding. We got a sudden culpa. We got all the things that we needed to withdraw the energy from the ego eye and give it to the gods and make us shining ones again. Give it to the divine mother and let her withdraw all of her energy away from all those little egos out there. And then we be all became her and we cut down the great ego and all we want to do is celebrate. And what's the best, the most divine way we could celebrate? What well, we do at all the parties at the Devi Mandir, we sing to God. <laughs> That's a celebration. Life is a festival and we get to sing to God. So let's meditate upon her form. We meditate upon uh, she who is constantly served by all men desiring the ultimate perfection. Raise your hand if you're amongst us. Thank you. Who is surrounded on all sides by gods? <laughs> That's us. Look at that lady. She's surrounded on all sides by gods in front and back and on the right and left. The goddess who removes difficulties, who is named Joya Joya. She's named Victory. Her beautiful body is splendidly dark like a black cloud. With her side looks, she instills fear into multitudes of enemies. She just glances out of the side of her eyes and every, all, all the assurance, all the thoughts desist immediately. And just, oh, just a glance, and one glance and all the thoughts stop. All we can think about Beauty, the mesmerizing beauty of the mother of the universe. A digit of the moon has been fastened upon her head where it shines in her hand. She holds a conch, a discus, a small sword or a scimitar, and a trident. She has three eyes. She stands leaning upon the shoulders of a lion, and her radiant illumination has completely filled the three worlds. Now that's our mom. the Rishi said, after the death of that excessively forceful and evil thought, the great ego, and he only manifests in thought, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. If I would just stop thinking about stuff, I wouldn't be. All I have to do is feel it. I can grok it, I can know it through intuitive cognition. It could become a priori knowledge. I view the world, the universe, the manifestation of, of existence as the embodiment of the Divine Mother in every form. <clears throat> and the destruction of his army of perturbations 
<laughs> they're always perturbing us. They're calling all manner of consternation. They make us confused and conflicted and depleted of energy and they, uh, a lack of you, uh, unity and a lack of illumination is what all those thoughts cause the servants of the great ego. The rule of the pure, that's us, along with other divine ones, all the gods and goddesses got together, led by Indra, the rule of the pure, with their heads bowed in reverence, began to sing a hymn of praise to the Supreme Empress Srima. Their beautiful bodies were filled with excessive delight and pleasurable excitement. I mean, the excitement was palpable. You could feel the delight of how they were singing. And what did they say? They tried to describe her. What's she like? Her intrinsic nature is the aggregate energy of all the gods. That's us. We gave forth all of our energies, all of our illumination, all of our lights to make one light united in radiant splendor. She is the embodiment of that aggregate energy of all illumination. With her energy, she pervades the entire universe. Everything we see, cha-ra-cha, whether it moves or it doesn't move, is a manifestation of the embodiment of the nature of existence, the energy of existence. She is the most highly regarded by all the gods and seers of sacred wisdom. Of course she is. If, if we didn't regard her, we wouldn't be gods or seers. We would be human beings thinking about me and servants of the ego again. So obviously, when we become seers and gods and illuminated beings, we are thinking regarding her. To the mother of the universe with the greatest intensity of devotion. Where have you heard that before? With the greatest intensity of, in, of devotion of which we are capable of offering to you, we give reverence unto her. May she grant us all welfare. Please, all welfare. Whose incomparable greatness and strength, the Lord of the universe, masculine, the boys can't describe her, who creates, preserves, and dissolves the creation, is incapable to extol. He, he was the embodiment of Brahma, Vishnu, Maheshwar. They can't even define the limits of infinity. They can't describe her infinite energy. May that supreme empress, she who tears apart thought, she who tears apart duality, she who rips apart my ego, she who takes all the energy away from the Asuras and gives it to the gods, may she think to protect the entire gross world and destroy fear and impurity. Please! I mean, if there's any nice seva that you'd like to do for us poor devotees, Mom, destroy all fear and impurity. She is the goddess of true wealth in the homes of virtuous souls and is the misery of those who perform evil. She is intelligence in the hearts of the pure-minded, faithful 
faith, uh, faith to the truthful and humility to the truly noble. Ah, well, all the pure qualities that we see in, in various individuals, whether it be intelligence or faith or humility, it is her grace, it is her blessing, it is her energy. To, the, that, to that divine goddess we bow in reverence. Please protect the entire universe. How can we describe your inconceivable form or your uncanny behavior displayed in the battle between all the thought gods and thoughts? How you valiantly slew the thoughts and other evil ones? How do you say it? No words to describe. Niti, niti, nanda. <laughs> In the origin of all perceivable existence, you are the cause. You're the cause of the origin. You define all form. You are Mahamaya, the great measurement, the great limitation of all existence. Within, within all existence, you are the three qualities of nature, Satarajatamo, conception, activity, and rest. These three exist in you, but you have no connection with any of their defects. So they exist in you, but you're not responsible if we have a preponderance of Thomas. It's not your fault. You are just a Satarajatam. We are out of balance. The ego is out of balance. If we are gods and goddesses in the kingdom and delight, we're not out of balance. We're in perfect balance. We have no defense. So you are Sattva Raja Tamaguna. If I have too much Rajas and I get angry and I can't sleep and I'm always working, I become a workaholic, then that's not your fault. That's the ego. So you, you have no con connection with any of their defects. You are beyond the conception of the Supreme Consciousness and the Great God and other gods. No one can conceive you. How do you conceive the infinite beyond conception? By definition, she's inconceivable. You are the support of all. This entire perceivable universe is only a portion of your being because you are the imperceptible primordial being, the supreme nature. <laughs> oh, divine goddess, in all sacrifices you are the word swaha. I am one with God. Swa means my own, and Ha means Ishwara, and God is mine, or I am God's, or God and me are one, or I am one with God. Any way you want to define it, that's fine with me. I'm not going to split hairs with you. Uh, by whose pronunciation all gods win contentment. If you say I'm one with God, everyone who's divine is satisfied. They're all content. Moreover, you are performed by all people as oblations of ancestral place. Wada. Da means darinkorte. You, you, you support. All the support of the universe is my own. All, the, all, all that is supported is mine. 
the, that's the word of praise that we use to pr 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 propitiate the ancestors by saying thank you. You have supported this entire universe. You've supported the genealogies. You've supported the lineage. You support me. Where I am today is a consequence of your support. <laughs> if you didn't support me, if you didn't support my pop and my grandfather and his grandfather and all those seven generations, 14 generations before and 14, seven generations before and seven generations to come. If you weren't there supporting us, how would we have arrived where we arrived to be here right now in such a distinguished company? With such a wonderful association doing good things with good people in a good place. Swala, the cause of satisfaction to the ancestors. Oh, Goddess, for those who seek realization, <clears throat> enlightenment, liberation, the inculcation of absolute freedom, inconceivable are the great austerities to be performed, to be devoid of all defects, having the senses subdued, complying with the essence of the principles of truth. Now all the sadhana, all the tapasya, all the disciplines that we have been speaking about are conceivable. I said sit like this, breathe like this, chant these mantras, make this mudra, do that kriya, put the flowers here, put the flowers there, offer the milk, offer the yogurt, these are conceivable. And she's saying here, inconceivable are the austerities to be performed. Now, I'm only telling you about the conceivable ones. You're going to have to realize yourselves the inconceivable ones. That you'll only realize through doing as much as you can of the conceivable ones, then they will, those practices will bring you to the inconceivable austerities in order to inculcate absolute freedom. To become devoid of all defects. No defect. No negativity. Ever pure. Completely true. No margin for error or mistake. Having the senses subdued, you're focused, pratyahar, you've brought your senses to a point of complete focus and no wandering mind. Complying with the essence of print the principles of truth. Dharma is your swabhav. Dharma is your intrinsic nature. You are automatically in harmony in every situation because you naturally are in complying with the essence of the principles of truth. Oh, Supreme Empress, the wise who practice yearning for liberation, that ultimate knowledge of realization is you. What are they going to find when they get liberated, when they get enlightenment, when they get moksha? They're going to find you. 
You are the intrinsic nature of sound. That means you are all vibrations. And exceedingly pure is the Rig Veda, the Yajur Veda, and the Sama Veda with the special mode and pronunciation of songs in praise of the divine. You are the foundation. You are, the, you are all vibrations. You are all words. And especially pure as the Veda Triya, the three Vedas, Rig Sama and Yajur Veda, with the Udgita. Uh, with the special song and the tone of raised tone and the anuswar, the sound of an atom that we are, and the special vibration, the special means of pronouncing. You are the Nada Shakti. You are the subtle sound of all speech. You are the special mode of pronunciation of songs in praise of the divine. You are the foundation. You are the three Vedas and the supreme empress. The generation and protection of the universe is the activity that you manifest. Oh, you, you, you make a creation and you protect that creation. And you are the destroyer of fear and torment in the entire perceivable universe. Mom, get to work. Oh, goddess, you are the energy of intelligence by which the essence of all scriptures is understood. Thank you. Oh, as the goddess who relieves afflictions, you are the boat that takes aspirants across the difficult sea of worldly thoughts unbound by attachment. Here we are in this ocean of existence, this ocean of confusion, and we're traveling from the shores of individuality to the shores of wisdom and unity. And you are the boat that takes us across, unbound by attachment. You manifest as the goddess of wealth and the heart of consciousness to do battle with the desires of want, of too little and too much. And as the goddess of light, gory to Lord Shiva, who wears the moon as a diadem. That's his crown. The smile on your face shines like pure, like the splendor of the full moon's reflection. Just like the full moon's reflection is your smile. Or excellent, like, like excellent gold, desirable as beauty enhanced by love. Ah, it's, it's that, that, that kanti. It's, it, it's so much, it's more beautiful because of our relationship to it. Yet still, after seeing that beauty, the great ego struck out in anger. This is a greatly incomprehensible act. How is it that the great ego, me, sees the beauty of you and doesn't just want to surrender immediately? I mean, I see how beautiful it is to be in the presence of the guru and in the presence of God and the presence of the divine mother. Why don't I just stop fighting? And saying, I gotta be me, I gotta be true to my values, I gotta have my goals, I gotta have my way. I did it my way. 
extremely incomprehensible. And that was the question in chapter one. The king asked to the, the, the intellect of love, the great Rishi said, we know, we know. And still we're acting like fools without discrimination. <laughs> if we didn't know, you could teach us. But we already know and we see the defects of our thinking and we see how stupid it is. Why are we still thinking like that? This is extremely incomprehensible. How could the great ego me look at a beautiful smile like you and not say, I want to be one with that smile immediately? Oh, goddess, it is even more incredulous still that the great ego did not quit his life immediately upon seeing your wrathful face terrible with brows knit and of reddish hue like the rising moon, like the, the blood moon in the month of, of, of uh, April. For who can maintain his individual self upon seeing the ruler of dissolution? Now, if I didn't give up when I saw your beauty and your radiant light in the form of Gauri, why didn't I just quit when I saw your wrathful form in the form of Kali? This is even more incomprehensible. You think I'm gonna be I'm gonna be able to defeat Kali? All right, I've got, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I can't understand what is beautiful Gauri. But when I see Kali, I know I don't have a chance. This is even more incredulous. Oh, goddess, be gracious. When you are pleased as the intrinsic nature of the universal soul, the whole world enjoys welfare and prosperity. We know you are the intrinsic nature of the universal soul. And when you're happy, we know the whole world will prosper and, and be happy. And when your anger is known, immediately the entire families of enmity are destroyed as we have verified the very moment when the great ego with his extensive forces met his demise. Mom, if you're not happy, I mean, in an instant you went through that army of thoughts like a forest conflagration, like dry grass and timber being consumed in a forest fire. It took you one instant, Akshona, Kalkasht. It didn't take you a moment of time to destroy all the armies of the great ego. So when your anger is known, immediately the armies of enmity, of hostility, that we're praying, Vishojaki, get rid of all the dvesh. Get rid of all the hostility. Remove all hostility. Rupam Dehi, give us your form. Joyong Dehi, give us victory over this little ego eye. Jasho Dehi, give us, give us welfare. Give us fame for having controlled our little selves. Visho Jaki, take away, destroy, remove all enmity. Oh, you who are the grantor of welfare, those with whom you are pleased are certainly respected in their country, at least in their ashram, <laughs> at least in their bedroom, <laughs> at least in, in the little closet of the bathroom, someplace they're, they're respected. You are the grantor of welfare, 
They are endowed with welfare and their acts of wisdom and harmony do not perish. They are blessed by the devotion of their children, wives, and servants. By your grace, O goddess, the meritorious souls perform every day all the actions of spiritual discipline and righteous contact with the greatest of faith and devotion. Every day you do your practices with the greatest of faith and devotion and look forward to it. It's an opportunity to extricate ourselves from worldliness. And, oh, Thereby they attained a heavenly perception. That's the only way. <laughs> Kripa is the grace, and the grace is not something that falls on poor little unworthy me like a thunderbolt from heaven. It's what you do is what you get. The dati prati grinati, nadati prashidati, ibam rupinakili namahadivinakilitam. This is the form of the pin by which all of these mantras have been bound. As you give, so shall you receive. And this is the pin with the greatest faith and devotion we conduct all the practices of uh, all the spiritual discipline and righteous conduct. Are you not therefore the grantor of all fruit in the three worlds? I believe. I think you are. Oh, reliever of difficulties, remembering you, the fear of all living beings is dispelled. No one is afraid of anything when they think about you. When remembered by those individuals in the harmony of spiritual growth, you increase their welfare and, and intelligence. Who is like you, O dispeller of poverty, pain, and fear, whose sympathetic demeanor always extends compassionate assistance to everyone? Mama, who is like you, who that cooks for everybody every time she goes outside? She carries bags of groceries wherever. Even if she goes to the store, she takes prasad for all the workers in the store whose sympathetic demeanor always extends compassionate assistance to everyone. The entire cosmos, the Milky Way, all the, all the galaxies, all the universe that we can conceive is pleased by the destruction of this enmity. And even though these ill-advised beings committed sins sufficient to warrant an infinite suffering in hell, nevertheless, let them attain to the realms of heaven by meeting their demise in the battle with me. And thinking thus, O oh goddess, certainly you destroy all enmity. And every time we are injured and every time we are offended and every time we are afflicted, we say to all our oppressors, go to heaven. Thinking thus, Oh, goddess, you destroy all enmity. There is no wish. There is no conflict. There is no... Nothing bad happens to the guy who says, go to heaven. <laughs> I mean, if you say to go someplace else, you might get the fruit of your blessing. But if you say, go to heaven, you might also get the fruit of that blessing, too. You, she takes away all the enmity. Instead of cursing people, we bless them. 
I bless you. Go to heaven. Thinking thus, we remove and diffuse all enmity, all ob obstacles, all enemies. Cease to be enemies. Wait, wait a minute, you're blessing me? I just offended you. <laughs> Why are you blessing me when I offended you? That's the fruit of your karma, mister. <laughs> I'm blessing you to go to heaven. Just get out of my face. Go, go, go to heaven. Hit the road, Jack. Why is it that your one glance does not reduce all thoughts to ashes? Hey, you can do it. Why are you making us struggle? What's the point? You like to see your kids squirming and uncomfortable? Why don't you just look at them with one glance and you'll destroy them and make them turn to ashes? so that being purified by the weapons, these thoughts may be raised to the highest worlds. You are so benevolent that you think for the welfare of even your enemies. So if they were just to go, Ma would just glance at them and they become ashes, then they wouldn't be purified. They'd just be ashes. How do they get rid of the karma that they had? They came into manifestation with all this karma. They have to be purified by struggling in the battle with purity. And thinking thusly, you are so benevolent that you think for the welfare of even the enemies. Let those Asuras all rise to heaven. Let them be pure, make, get purified in this battle. If your sword's light and the foremost dazzling radiance from your pike did not blind the eyes of the thoughts, the reason was that they also saw the rays of light like the glow of the moon, the giver of bliss in perceiving the vision of your beautiful face. So just looking at the light glistening from your sword or the dazzling radiance coming from your pike it should have blinded them. But when they looked at your face, they saw the cooling rays of the moon, and that, that was a balance to the light of your sword. Oh, goddess, your inclination is to eradicate the faulty conduct of the, of the wicked. Get to work. G-O-D. Go on duty. With the vision of your form, no other concept may be contemplated as no other similar exists. Hey, when we think about her, how are you going to think about assurance? How are you going to think about selfish desires if you're thinking about mother? You can't have two thoughts at the same time. There's a battle between the thoughts. Which one is stronger? The beautiful cooling rays of the moon-like face of the mother of the universe or the dazzling radiance from her sword and her pike. Take your choice. Which do you choose? Do you want to think about selfish assurance, or do you want to think about the mother of the universe saving and protecting us? Hence your strength and prowess in slaying these thoughts who are destroying the power of the gods. Thus you manifest your compassion to the enemies. O oh, goddess, granter of wishes, with what can your valor be compared? You give fear to enemies with your excessive beauty. <laughs> You're so beautiful, everyone quakes in their boots. 
You give fear to enemies with your excessive beauty. Where is a form beyond your own? Kindness in the heart and severity in battle. In all the three worlds, these two can only be seen in you. Your heart is so kind and you're so fierce in battle. And all you want is to give beauty and compassion and nourishment and uplift the fallen and uplift the lowly. And then in battle, you're so fierce. All you want to do is take away the energy from negativity and give it to positivity. In slaying these enemies, you have protected the entire three worlds. By dying on the battlefield, these enemies have arrived in heaven and you have dispelled all our fears of thoughts. We bow to you. Thanks a lot, Mom. That was a good battle. But again and again, would you do that for us? Oh, goddess, protect us with your spear. Mother of the universe, protect us with your sword. Protect us with the sound of your bell. And protect us with the twang of your bowstring. Protect us in the east. Protect us in the west. Oh, you who tear apart thought, protect us in the south. And then rotate your spear and protect us in the north. In the three worlds, there are forms of your exquisite beauty and others exceedingly frightful that are conceived. With all of them, protect us and protect the world. O oh, Mother of the Universe, protect us everywhere and every time with your sword, your spear, your club. Protect us on every side with every weapon that is in your lovely hands. Now, you've got some forms that are beautiful, like Gauri and Lakshmi and Sarasvati. You've got some forms that are extremely fierce and boyankar and fearful, like Kali and Chamunda and Chinamasta, Dumavati. I saw her picture the other day. Dumavati. <laughs> Mother, with every form, with every weapon, in every direction, protect us. We're your children, we're your devotees, we're coming to you with sincerity in our hearts, praying that you protect us. Don't let us be overrun by Asuras. You take away the energy from the Asuras. And the Rishi said, Thus, the gods sang praise to the creator of the perceivable universe and worshipped her and did the pujas with flowers and perfume and other items of the Garden of Delight. Now remember, it's, all the items came from the Garden of Delight. If you don't have an item with you, don't get up and, and stop the puja and go to the bazaar and buy some more. Go inside the Garden of Delight and pick out, here's your beautiful silk sari, and here's your golden necklace, and here are your jewels, and I just prepared this beautiful meal for you. When all united in the fullest heavenly devotion and offered incense and fragrances and food, Ma! We're giving you flowers and incense and fragrances and food and we're doing the puja. And then they all bowed 
to the goddess in obeisance and in serene countenance she spoke to them and the goddess said, all right, what do you guys want? What's all this noise about? I will grant you the fulfillment of your desire. What do you want? And the God said, the Supreme Empress, that's you, has fulfilled our every desire and there's nothing that remains undone. You took away the ego. You slayed the generals of the, of the ego's army. Our enemy, the great ego, has been slain. Oh, great seer of all, that's you, Mom. Beyond that, you desire to give us a boon? <laughs> ha! Lucky us! Sanskrita, Sanskrita, Tom, no! Hingsetaha, Paramapata! Then, whenever we will remember you, then and there, immediately, you will give us intuitive vision and remove our every distress. And, <coughs> oh goddess, oh mother of the universe, whatever humans, that's us, praise you. With these verses, may you increase their knowledge, prosperity, and greatness as well as their other possessions in life. Oh mother, always be pleased with us and grant us welfare and prosperity. Two possibilities exist when we recite these verses. We come with Indra and all the other gods and goddesses, and as gods and goddesses we say, Mom, whenever we remember you then and there, you will give us intuitive vision. You'll put us into the bliss of unified consciousness. You'll put us into the samadhi. And if we forget and we think we're human beings and we're just pure puny little devotees walking around this of earth and walking on the, in the world of objects and relationships, we're just human beings, then you're going to increase our knowledge, our prosperity, our greatness, and all the other possessions of life, our wisdom and our peace and our love and our joy. Mom, that's what we want. If we're gods, make us shine. If we're humans, make us gods. And the Rishi said, O king, when the gods prayed for the welfare of themselves and the world, the excellent one beyond time was pleased and sang, Eva must do. do. Let it be so she vanished from sight. Your Highness, now remember, the Rishi is telling the story of the king. I have told you the story of how in times of old the goddess who desires the welfare of the three worlds was manifest from the bodies of the gods. Remember, in chapter 2 we put forth our lights. All the lights united into one light. The light took on a female form and became the embodiment of the mother of the universe who was wearing a yellow sari with a red border. And now, O oh virtuous soul, in like manner I shall narrate to you of her appearance from the body of the goddess of light, the slayer of the vicious thoughts, self-conceit, and self-deprecation, and the giver of assistance to the gods in order to protect all the worlds. Please listen to this entire episode narrated, being narrated by me, Rim O. 
So I told you already the story of the balancing of too much and too little and how Brahma prayed to Mahakali, Yoga Nidra, the goddess of sleep, and said, get out, wake up Vishnu. Take your energy of sleep away from Vishnu and let him fight with these Asuras and put them into balance for me. And now I told you how the goddess was manifest by the, from the united lights of all the gods. She became manifest and she took away the energy from the great ego and all the generals of his army. And now, next, we're going to begin the third episode, which is how she manifested in order to slay self-conceit and self-deprecation. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Thank you. Namaste, everybody. Let's see if there are any questions. This is a really packed uh, a, a, a chapter which has a lot of knowledge and inspiration. Uh, there she was, being celebrated by all of us who are freed from the armies of the ego. We have a question from Laura. <clears throat> Namaste, Laura. These Asuras, who would have otherwise gone to hell, went to heaven because they dared to battle directly with Chandi. They were greatly blessed when they acted so arrogantly. I feel confused by this. How does this principle apply to our daily lives? Laura, every time we are confronted with any confrontation, with any kind of conflict, rather than becoming egotistical and a servant of the ego and responding with anger, or rather than creating enmity, or rather that we diffuse the enmity and we negotiate a win-win resolution. And this is how we use this knowledge, thinking for how can I raise my friend to the highest place, the highest position I possibly can, that will diffuse all enmity and raise me as well. I get the fruit of my karma. As he gives, so shall he receive, and this is the form of the pin. And thinking thus, certainly we remove all enmity. So now, let's not only put ourselves in the per other person's position, but let's say, I want even a better position for them, I'm going to raise them to heaven. How can we resolve this immediate circumstance in such a way as you go to heaven? Because you can't get there by yourself. You gotta take me with you. Oh, you can't get to heaven in Laura's car, cause Laura's car don't go that far. Next question. <laughs> we have a question from Sadatmananda in Washington. Namaste Sadatmananda. Namaste. I have noticed that coincidentally, since I have been chanting the Chandi actively again, my mind has been going more crazy. Does chanting the Chandi produce such an effect that she brings the generals of the ego to come out and bug me? Perhaps this has something to do with the inconceivable austerities. No, it has something to do with the conceivable austerities. <laughs> you can see, you can perceive, you can conceive all those thoughts. That's why they're bugging you. The inconceivable ones are the ones you can't be aware of. They're not conceivable. They don't have a name. They don't have a form. They don't have a, a, a nomen rule. That's the inconceivable ones. You feel them. But you can't put your finger on it. What is it that I'm feeling? Now, the, the 
the, the, the chanting the chandi is a challenge to the ego. We are saying, as soon as we develop the motivation, the intention that I'm going to sit down and chant a scripture to pray to God to take energy away from the ego, is that not a challenge to the ego? Certainly, it's saying, I don't want to preserve individuality at the expense of others. I want to unite with everyone I come into contact with. I want to unite with God. I want to give up this ignorance of duality. And that in itself is a chunoti, a chunoti, a, a challenge to the ego. And as soon as we challenge the ego, the ego is bound. He's obligated to, to put up his defenses and to strike back and to show you, oh no, you can't sing the, you can go ahead and mouth the words, but I'm going to show you other movies while you're singing it. I'm going to make you think other thoughts. My generals will attack you. Akraman! And they do. And that's the reason that you're aware of it now. Otherwise, they're attacking you every minute of every day. But suddenly you sat down and said, I don't want to see these, these generals in the armies of the ego. And then they say, oh, here we are. <laughs> Take a look at me. So it's not because you chant the chandi that the ego is strong. It's because you chant the chandi that you are aware of the ego and the generals coming. Suddenly, you have a, a goal defined as getting rid of the ego. And now the ego is there, and you see his every movement, how devious those generals are. So it, don't be dismayed and don't be dissuaded. Go ahead, full force, with your sudden culpa. And go ahead and chant the chandi. Go ahead and give the challenge to the ego. Okay, you may make my mind wander, but I'm not moving my knees. Be simple. Be simple. We have a question from Sadhana Shakti. Namaste, Sadhana Ma. Pranam, is mother still pleased when we sit for the chandi and we're constantly in battle, watching movies and arguing with the past? Yes! Absolutely she is pleased. Without a doubt, Nishandeho. She is pleased because Nashangshaiha. She is so pleased because we are trying to do something. We're not accepting mediocrity as a way of life. I'm not accepting bondage to worldliness as the definition of my existence for the rest of my life. I'm saying I am taking responsibility and I'm taking affirmative action. I'm going to do something to change it. I'm going to exercise my free will power and I'm going to use that power to the best of my ability to do something pure. I'm going to, do, to go to a pure place with pure people and do pure things like I'm going to the Devi Mandir and to sit with Srima and do worship. Now what other ego in the world would want to go to the Devi Mandir and sit with Srima and worship? Or come to the computer screen on uh, on a weeknight and sit and, and listen to the railing of Swamiji. Uh, you have to be motivated and inclined and have an intention that I want to take affirmative action to change this bondage. I am seeking liberation from the bondage. Sadhana, that in 
itself is praiseworthy and the mother will bless us. Without a doubt. When you come here, she feeds you. I mean, if she didn't think your behavior was respectful or respectable, why would she encourage you to come? She'd say, hey, <laughs> you're going to the movies. I don't want you here. That's not what she said. She said, come here, I'll feed you, I'll clothe you, I'll, I'll give you shelter, I'll, give, I'll pay your utilities, I'll take care of you. Come here and do something. Such a mother. That's quite a mother we have. And that's obvious that she's pleased with what we're doing, with what we're trying to do, with our intention, with our goal, with our motivation. She is pleased. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nanda. Namaste. What is a Kriya and do we use it in our tradition? We use Kriya every time we move. Kriya means to do. Kriya is something that has been done. Did you do something? <laughs> I think you did. You pushed the button on your computer. You pressed the key. You scratched your nose. You scratched someplace else. Nanda, those are all Kriyas. It's been done. Now, amongst all the Kriyas, all the things that have been done, some are very nice things to be do, done, and some are defined and motivated and orchestrated and performed for the purpose of demonstrating the sincerity of my aspiration. I define certain Kriyas. For example, here's a mudra. I'm doing, that's a Kriya, I just did it. And that means the bestowing of wisdom. That's a mudra. Yeah, it's a kriya. And then there's kriya yoga. I'm bringing the energy through my chakras. That's the yoga through doing something. Kriya yoga. I come into union because I did something. It's not because it comes to little old unworthy me. I do something and that doing makes me worthy of receiving something. For example, you turned on your computer and you turned to the webcam at srimod.org, you did something, that's a Kriya. And you did something that made you worthy of, do, of getting something, which was the silly talking of the Swami sitting up there in front of the webcam. Now you get to listen to all that stuff and filter it out and uh, discriminate as to what is valuable and what is not. And that's the fruit of your Kriya. Every time we act, we perform a Kriya. There are certain Kriyas in the Puja which are legislated, mandated. They are defined by the Puja Padhoti. The, they, they are the Kriyas. So when we do puja, we take the, the Kriyas and the mudras and the mantras, the asana and the pranayam and the philosophy and the grammar and the history and the literature and we weave it into a padhoti. The padhoti is the tantra. 
And the Tantra is weaving together all the branches of knowledge that we have studied, and that's a Kriya. You did something, you wove. We all became weavers, like Tukaram. He was a weaver. We have a question from Ryan in San Jose. Namaste, Ryan. Namaste. What is the best way to cultivate being gentle to everyone in thought, word, and action? Well, first of all, you want to control foul mouth. Refine your language because your language is uh, symptomatic of your thought process. <laughs> Speak with respect. And then you'll want to control irresistible temptation. Don't try and get something extra, as Samkaracharya told us. Don't try to get the grace of other men. Look for the grace of God. So refine your desires, refine your intentions, refine your process, refine your language. That's a great place to start practicing self-control. These are all good things to do as we uh, practice self-control. Now, yeah, also remember that cleanliness is next to godliness. So try to keep yourself in a clean, presentable, respectable present presentation so you show the best you that is aspiring to manifest divinity. Like you take a shower early in the morning before you go to mother's breakfast table. <laughs> you change your clothes uh, every day, whether you need it or not. Uh, you, it, there are certain things that you can do in order to demonstrate respect, and you can demonstrate propriety, and you can demonstrate the sincerity of your pure aspiration. Those are some of the things I would recommend. Right. We have a question from Swarupananda in Seattle. Namaste, Swarupananda. Pranam. In the Chandi, we pray to the mother so that she will defeat the ego in battle. Yet you have also talked about expanding the ego until it fills the whole universe. Are these processes different? How do we reconcile the two? They are just like the two sides of the same coin. One is heads and the other is tail. One is Purush and the other is Prakriti. When you pursue the Divine Mother, you automatically become Lord Shiva. Uh, it is the, the same process, the same achievement, the same realization. To become one with the mother is to become one with Lord Shiva. And when she takes the energy away from the ego, who's left? Shiva Aham. That's why it said in the beginning of the book, on the copyright page, it said, if you want, you can watch me dance like a devotee, and if you want, you can watch, you can become my husband, Lord Shiva. All you have to do is realize that I am the energy of all in everything, and who can realize that? Only Swarupananda Simswati. <laughs> We have a question from Moshami in Boulder. Namaste, Moshami Ma. Pranam, would it be possible to give a little hint about what conceivable, inconceivable austerity is? Is it like a job job, or is it like performing austerity in dream during sleep? Moshami, those are both conceivable. <laughs> they have words. They have rup. They have nam. I am talking about inconceivable austerities. 
that are beyond words. We can't even begin to define what are those austerities, what are the limits of infinity, how does it expand, how does it, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. It's, it's inconceivable. So start with all the austerities that we can conceive. I'm going to expand my asana, I'm going to expand my pranayama, I'm going to expand my chandipat, I'm going to expand... I, I, these are all conceivable austerities. I can conceive that. And those are, it's doable. And as we get deeper and deeper into the intensity of what is doable, we're going to grok the inconceivable austerities. There is no hint. The only hint I could possibly give you, Mushami, is go to the limits, the edge of infinity, and then start your austerities from there. We have a question from Vivekananda in Seattle. Namaste, Vivek! Will Mother give us darshan during the sadhana before we attain samadhi, or will we have to wait until, wait until that happens? I only ask because I feel like I need her darshan, and samadhi might take a long time. <laughs> well, her darshan can come before you go into samadhi. They are not exactly the same things. Uh, when you see the vision of the Divine Mother, and it doesn't mean that you're completely submerged in pure intuitive vision. It doesn't mean that all is the measurement of your mind. You sit in front of your altar and look into her eyes and she could give you her darshan immediately. It just takes that one instant of being so much in love with your beloved that you can't think of anything else. And I'll bet you've had that vision. Now all you have to do is go to the altar with her. I think you did. Well, stay there at the altar with her! <laughs> and then you'll see the vision of the Divine Mother. And she will take you. She is the doorway to Samadhi. She will take you to Samadhi, if she wants, when she wants. But first see her. She's the Divine Mother. And you can look her right in the eye and see just her. And your eyes are a mirror of your soul. And she knows when your soul is sincere. So look her in the eye with the greatest intensity of sincerity of which you are capable and she will show herself to you. And when she's really pleased, she will take you through the doorway and you go beyond the form of the Divine Mother into the infinity of Divine Mother where there are no words. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha Namaste.